Many industries are on the cusp of being transformed by the coming AI revolution, with lawyers being a unique position to handle the brunt of the change. Beyond dealing with the disruption in their own industry, law professionals need to be ready to deal with the unforeseen outcomes likely to occur in nearly every industry. Today, we continue our conversation from earlier this week with Fisher Phillips' Chief Knowledge and Innovation Officer, Evan Schenkman, focusing on the changing face of law, the adaptation they're already preparing for, and the importance of a flexible mindset entering an artificially augmented era. I'm Arturo, and this is AI Tool Report Live. So we are with Evan Schenkman, Chief Knowledge and Innovation Officer at Fisher Phillips. And this is fun. This is the second time we've spoken this week. It is. So um, I, the way we're structuring, right, I think I'm just going to introduce the episode that I recorded with you guys. We're going to drop that. We dropped that two days ago. And today I kind of want to keep going on that conversation because it was a lot of fun. And it was really interesting in terms of your perspective as an attorney, as knowledge and innovation officer, and just like my own personal experience, knowing how detailed you are with your research into AI and like what you're doing. So the first kind of perspective I'd be interested in is as an attorney and as some, or as a former attorney, current, right? Not, Still not an attorney, just not non-practicing attorney. There you go. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> um, what's kind of like your take on AI and not necessarily the legal like ramifications of it, but its impact on the legal industry. Yeah. I think the impact of, of AI and Gen AI specific on the legal industry is, is enormous. Uh, it's, I've been in, I practiced law for about a decade. I've been in the, the legal innovation um, and technology space for longer than that um, since, uh, since I stopped practicing. Uh, and there has never been anything that even came close to uh, the weight of importance, the excitement, the possibilities of Gen AI. Um, I think everything that lawyers do on a day-to-day -day basis, they're researching, they're writing, they're analyzing documents, they're reviewing documents, they're preparing documents, they're going through boxes and boxes, they're virtual boxes and boxes of papers. Um, all of those things Gen AI can, can really help with uh, and let attorneys be far more efficient, far more prescient, um, far better attorneys. Uh, and and we've only had this technology uh, in our hands for about a year now, and it's already revolutionized the way attorneys are practicing. Um, I, I'm super optimistic that that trend will continue to grow. Um, and, uh, and really every aspect of what a lawyer can do and should do to better uh, serve their clients will touch Gen AI in some way in the future. So when we're looking at how it's impacting, like it sounds like obviously there's a ton of work being done. What are, being that the legal system is probably one of the more forward thinking aspects, like one of the more forward thinking businesses in the country, right? Because you always have to consider like the ramifications, what, what, what impacts are we making? What liabilities are we, are we putting out there? Is there kind of thought to the job displacement coming in terms of like paralegals or junior associates, stuff like that? Like, how does that fit into the mold of, of generative AI? Or is that not being discussed right now? It, it's definitely being discussed um, out in you know the media and so on. Job displacement general from Gen AI is something that everyone's talking about, everyone wants to talk about. Um, from my perspective, it's, it's a bit of a red herring and something that I'm not focusing on personally or for our firm. Um, our attorneys and our paralegals and our support staff, they were super busy um, before Gen AI. They're still super busy now in the um, in the current Gen AI world. Um, 
But what I do see happening is I see a, a, a shift of our attorneys and paralegals and so on um, to focus more on other kinds of tasks than certain tasks, right? So our attorneys um, and our support staff, they're just becoming more efficient now. Um, and they're able to maybe, you know, if a, if a product or a project goes from A to Z, if they can get more quickly from A to C, uh, and then they can focus more on the higher value portions of practicing law, uh, that's from D to Z, they're better off. It's better off for their clients. So we're not looking at this um, at Gen AI uh, in general or specific as an opportunity to reduce headcount or anything like that. It's more of an opportunity to say, uh, when you get our lawyers' eyes on something, it will be at a much higher value. Uh, they will be spending more, a greater percentage of their time on higher value legal work um, and things that that drive better strategy, that advance the ball, that are uh, that are more using their expertise rather than the portions of um, a, a lawyer's day before Gen AI that might have been doing some more busy work aspects of mm -hmm. stuff. Right? Um, it's kind of like you know with going back even pre-Gen AI days, we have you know templates and forms and so on. And you know, there's still some attorneys out there in the world, not at our firm, I hope, that will still be starting with a, a blank sheet of paper and they will be doing an outline. They'll type in number one and they'll hit the space bar nine times and then they'll start typing and then they'll hit return and they'll hit number two. They'll type number two and then space bar nine times. You know, that's not efficient, right? There, there are better ways using technology to do things more efficiently. Um, Gen AI is, is a much more turbocharged version of that, uh, but nobody wants their attorney to spend extra minutes doing things that they shouldn't do. Um, and if Gen AI can help um, whittle down the number of uh, documents that they need to review because it can do a quick pass through and say, these are the, um, the primary 450 documents you really wanna check out. Um, that's better and more efficient than having somebody have to go through an extra 10,000 that weren't relevant. Right. So if we can use Gen AI in the future to help focus our attorneys on what they need to focus on, uh, we're in much better shape. Um, there always will be, a, you know, the attorneys will always have to go and make sure that everything is accurate, that things are correct and so on. But if this can help fast track some of those processes, uh, it's better for our attorneys, it's better for our clients. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think that's that's something that I'm seeing in, in very much the shift that I've been teaching people that I engage with, right? Where, you know, it, you know, using a developer example, before developers might spend 18 hours writing code and then an hour editing it. Well, now they can spend an hour writing code, you know, with the help of generative AI, but now you need to spend three hours editing. So it's kind of a right. shift of where kind of like the the carrot comes in, right? The, the reward. Yeah. Uh, before, oh, go ahead. Yeah, one, one of the other, it's an analogy I think that's pretty apt for this. Um, when we're in law school and when we're practicing, uh, one of the hardest things I think for, for lawyers to come to grips with is that there is a finite amount of, of time and hours and money that the clients are willing to pay uh, at the end of the day to get whatever they need done, done. Um, lawyers by their nature want to turn over every single stone that they ever possibly can um, because there always might be some other case out there that might help some way. There might be some mm -hmm. other document out there that might help some way, but you can't do that, unfortunately, because the clients will say, um, listen, we'd like you to spend no more than, you know, three or four hours figuring out this is a viable argument, or we'd like you to spend no more than five hours researching whether we have any, you know, argument for this, this uh, proposition or that proposition. Um, but a lawyer by their nature 
hates going to sleep thinking, where else could I have looked? What else could I have found? And so on. And what we're finding is that Gen AI helps us turn over more stones uh, in a shorter amount of time. So it's not like we're saying, okay, we're, we're, gonna, we're, we're not going to do um, the same amount of time for this client or we're, this is going to be an hour more or an hour less thanks to Gen AI. From my perspective, it's more that our attorneys now are uh, empowered by the, this technology to turn over more stones in the same amount of time. So the client is, you know, whether or not the client's going to say that, you know, there were fewer hours or more hours or whatever uh, is less relevant to me. What's more relevant is, wow, we are getting so much better value out of our attorneys now because they are able to do more great work and, and more percentage of the work using their very smart lawyer brain um, focusing on things because they're able to use Gen AI to get to that point faster. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I love the turning over stones analogy because that's the thing that that wouldn't let me sleep at night when I was an associate and then a partner um, actively litigating cases that, you know, if I, if I, if I gave it two or three more hours, yeah, I know I've spent 20 hours on this research project and I've gone through everything. I I've done everything, you know, as much as humanly possible, but what if I could be superhuman? Um, what if I could have you looked at more? That's what Jenna helps attorneys do now. Um, I missed it by 10 years in my practice or 12 years in my practice, but at least it's now uh, available for all the attorneys in my firm. That is pretty cool. And that's weird. I feel like I maybe heard once or twice something about egregious fees with lawyers and complaining about that because clients, right, worry about that, right? Like that's that's kind of the whole thing, the whole joke with like lawyers nonstop is like, oh, they're billing by, you know, they round up. But I, I think, you know, having had the, like having kind of seen how the sausage was made. So I came from a legal family, right? My mother was an attorney, my aunt's a law professor. And so I do think in terms of most industries, people tend to forget that a lot goes on behind the scenes. Even as like a media producer that I've done, you know, I had a media company for 12 years. Like everyone's like, well, why is the video so expensive? Well, you're paying for the editing, right? You're paying for like the 90% you don't see when the cameras are rolling. Now, I think the unfortunate part is I, I hope it turns out the way you're saying. My experience with my clients isn't that like, oh, I'm doing more work for the same price. It's still going to be like, but your price, right? But at the end of the day, I, I do I do see your point. I do think that there is... I think there is a, a major revolution coming in terms or happening in terms of how much you can kind of compress into the limited amount of time, right? Because that's really the resource, right? It's not about what you're billing or not billing. It's time. That's the resource. That's what we're all kind of like digging down into. So in terms of research, writing, uh, templates, uh, drafts, all that stuff, that makes sense, right? Generative AI built for that, built for speed, you know, mm -hmm. getting better every day. Have there been any surprising use cases as you've kind of approached this that you were like, wow, I didn't see that coming even in, in this short time? Yeah, I wouldn't say surprising. Um, one of the, one of the just to give a little bit of um, background um, into our firm's usage in AI, and that'll sort of orient my answer. Um, we were sort of the, the first major firm to help um, a company called Case Text develop a tool called CoCounsel, which was the first reliable Gen AI assistant was powered by GPT-4. We were working on it back in September of last year through March behind the scenes. Uh, couldn't tell my family. It was one of those exciting, you know, secret things. Um, and then we deployed it to, um, the co-counsel was deployed to the world. They announced it on the Morning Joe um, on March 1st of uh, 2023. 
And then uh, we were the first firm announced as uh, the first firm to deploy it and use it and so on. So and it was super cool. Sorry to interrupt, but I, I saw it. I saw it live uh, at, yeah. the, at the AI conference right here in DC a few months ago, and it was it was really neat. You know, like I remember my mom's law office um, watching her like on Lexus Nexus and like all these things. Right. Like it was just, it was it was really neat as someone who's not a legal professional to like see that evolution and have this unique window into it. So anyway, that, that was just my yeah. side note. So it, 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 it was it was absolutely incredible, and the, and the folks. Um, by the way, uh, co-counsel um, has since been acquired by Thomson Reuters for $650 million. Um, so it was a good product. Um, and we, we helped them develop it and brainstorm it and ideate it and all of that. And then and we launched it. So we've had um, over a year now of use of generative AI for illegal. Um, so that's sort of a little backstory. But now to, to your question, which was what are the surprising uses? Um, not many uses are that surprising to us just because we saw it from day one and part of our role was to help uh, the folks at Case Text to figure out what attorney use cases might be and we would try them all out, which ones is Gen AI better for, which ones is Gen AI worse for. Um, but what I was happy to see was when we did deploy this firm-wide and have all of our attorneys use it um, on their own without um, following, you know, here are the 10 things that we've used it for that's great, here are the skills that it's trained on and so on. Um, we started seeing attorneys do things like put their own briefs through uh, the Gen AI Solution Co-Counsel and ask it to summarize their own brief. They would then look at the summary of their own brief and see whether the points that they thought were most important made it through to the summary. Um, and if they didn't, they would then enhance that portion of the brief and you know adjust the focus because at the end of the day, we want to have the judge and the judge's clerks who are reading our briefs, for instance, get right to the crux of what we want them mm -hmm. to get at and see it the way we want to see it. And it was unusual uh, for me to see attorneys coming up with their own potential use cases. You know, I think it's great. Have it summarize it and then and then reverse engineer to have uh, the main points that we want to make uh, get across, um, get across through the AI engine as well. Um, and then they would go and then, okay, I want to beef up section two and section four. And then they'd run another summary. And they're like, okay, now the summary nailed it. I think we're good. Uh, because a lot of times when you're an author of a document, you're not necessarily uh, reading it as a reader reading something for the first right. time. It's just an interesting use case. Um, I, could, I, I could also just talk for a moment as to what our attorneys are mostly using it for, whether it was um, unexpected or, or not. Um, the vast number of our attorneys that are using uh, the Gen AI Solution Co-Counsel um, are using it for legal research. Uh, that doesn't surprise me because most of our attorneys uh, on a given day are doing legal research. Legal research is a large percentage of Associates Day um, and Partners Days to some extent as well. Uh, and it's really good at legal research, right? If, um, again, with the no stones unturned analogy, um, what our attorneys are asked to do for clients all the time is, here's our legal pro problem. Um, I'd like you to research every case out there, every statute out there, every regulation out there, um, analyze them, figure out how uh, that apply, how our fact pattern applies to those cases, and then come up with a legal research memo that pulls it all together. Um, Gen AI is really, really good at that. Mm -hmm. uh, not and, and again, I'm not talking about Gen AI that's you know, ChatGPT, public-facing Gen AI. Um, there are problems with using that for legal research, but what I'm talking about is retrieval augmented generation Gen AI um, which is what we helped Case Text develop with co-counsel, that is Gen AI that uses chat uh, GPT-4 to understand how to talk and think and how words work, 
but then it's pointed to say, but it must come out of this comprehensive and continually updating set of case law statutes and regs, and it will use that and be required to provide all the citations and required to provide um, all the links to the cases and so on. So it's a reliable way for attorneys to use generative AI technology to conduct legal research. So that's that's by far the most popular use case uh, that our attorneys are, are seeing. Um, but it's also being used to summarize. It's also being used to draft. It's also being used to search through document sets and data sets in a way that's not uh, relying upon knowing exactly what keyword uh, the person might have used or what term a judge might have said or what term uh, a witness might have said. It's able to go through and say, here you go. Here are all the places and all the deposition transcripts where this concept came up. And here are the portions where it's helpful for you and not helpful for you. And, and all of that stuff uh, is really, really valuable to an attorney. I mean, think about you know, your, your family of attorneys uh, going back mm -hmm. years and years and years. How much time was spent uh, pulling their hair out, going through boxes and boxes of documents. Right. And then, by the way, thinking I might have missed something because yeah. you know, humans are, are um, not infallible. Um, this tool can certainly help with that. That's that. That's wild. And you know, you, you brought up a visual that I hadn't like, I haven't thought of often, but just like being in my mom's office, just seeing like walls of those boxes. And it's like, why don't you get rid of this? She said, well, I legally have to keep them for I think it was like seven years or something like that. I was like, this wall is going to be here for seven years, you know. Um, so in terms of like, it, it makes sense to me how you guys are are implementing it from the legal side, being involved with um with your clients on frankly a very intimate business level right being an employment law firm really helping clients uh your clients navigate kind of like the human capital aspect of their business are you kind of seeing clients coming back to you being like hey um what do i need to be worried about how can i implement it like are your clients kind of coming to you guys for a little bit of guidance on generative ai since you guys are kind of the tip of the spear yeah they, they definitely are and i think that's one of the the nice um you know uh the nice benefits that come with being a leader in mm -hmm. deploying Jet AI ourselves internally um, is that people now come to us and ask for guidance, and and that we're able to help uh, employers and companies, you know, throughout the country, um, devise and deploy their own Gen AI solutions. Um, and there are a lot of Gen AI issues, and, and I don't think we'll be getting into them on this call. Maybe that's another call um, mm -hmm. with some of our attorneys who are providing this guidance directly, but. When you're deploying Gen AI, so Gen AI solutions, there are a number of things that you have to think about and uh, take uh, take care to make sure that um, that you're complying with various laws on privacy, on data breach, on um, on a whole host of things, um, as well as you know plagiarism and making sure that people are doing their work right and making sure that uh, there aren't any copyright issues and so on. So there are a whole host of legal issues that. Uh, that our attorneys are advising our clients on a, on a daily basis. And it was certainly a nice thing that um, that people started coming to us because we were an early adopter uh, in Gen AI. Mm -hmm. uh, a nice unintended um, you know, beneficiary uh, moment, I think, took place there. Yeah, so that, that brings an interesting question. And I, I know that like you can't comment directly or like can't opine on potential like um, uh, legal precedent that may be coming down, but when we look at generative AI in questions of plagiarism and and just kind of like uh, original content and so forth, you're trying to answer like you're 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 trying to navigate a world legally that doesn't have a ton of legal precedent, 
right? So how is that being addressed? And I'm hesitant to like specifically word a question, but what I ideally, as much as you can, I'd really be interested in your perspective on current framework, current legal framework around generative AI, what the general legal community, how they're approaching it, because I think that's one of the, I mean, I don't think, it is one of the big questions right now is like, who owns what? How do we move forward without suing the hell out of each other? Kind of like this like World War One finger pointing of like lawsuits when it just feels like this carousel of content, right? So again, I, I, I'm trying to dance around it because I know that you have certain stipulations that you can't speak on, but I'd, I'd really be interested in your opinion on, or at least your perspective on on these matters. So I think the, the best way of, of responding to that is to say, you know, the cat's out of the bag in terms of the value of generative AI. And I think that everyone throughout the world sees that this is sort of where technology is going and it is incredibly helpful and it will really revolutionize so many more things. Um, depending on how these lawsuits shake out, and I know there are a number of lawsuits out there that we're all very actively tracking. Um, some of these models may have to revise their, their corpus. Some of these models might have to be tweaked or, or so on. Um, and if that happens, that will happen. Um, I don't think that the um, that the wave of excitement and investment and so on in this technology will change, even if uh, if lawsuits go a certain way. Uh, that might mean that uh, some of the tools will be will be retooled to some extent. But I still think in in two years, three years, four years, five years, we'll all still be using Gen AI technology. Um, they just might be. Uh, working on different data sets going forward. Um, so I think all of the excitement that we have now is still not misplaced. Um, I just think that we're gonna have to wait and see how the court cases turn out. We're gonna have to wait and see how legislation turns out, um, whether state legislation, federal legislation, uh, whatever happens will happen. And the companies that provide these tools will presumably uh, modify accordingly and we'll be still on our way using what's some really extraordinary technology going forward. Yeah, that 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 makes sense to me. The okay, so on that same note, we we touched very briefly on on Tuesday on the EU AI Act, right? And like for me personally, me as a human being, my one of my nightmare scenarios, my fear of like this kind of near future outcome is the combination of, you know, automated warfare and biometrics, right? Like facial recognition and predictive policing and all that. The EU AI Act that just came out, you know, in December, it explicitly kind of like prohibits that as like kind of like the like an existential risk for AI, right? It doesn't allow predictive policing. It doesn't allow kind of like um, biometrics that aren't targeted, like untargeted facial recognition, you know, that kind of thing. What do you see based on even, you know, Biden's executive order and like a couple other things that have come down the pipe this year? Do you see 2024 as kind of being like the year of regulation? Do you kind of see that like us following suit? Yeah. I, I do anticipate regulation. Um, his executive order um, you know, required agencies to come up with uh, with their Gen AI chairs and so on to focus on these things. And anytime somebody's put in a new role, they obviously want to make sure that um, hmm. that 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 they validate their their own self worth. <laughs> yeah, we will see regulation coming. Right. Um, but I but I do caution that that I think that. Everyone out there doesn't want to be um, an agency that puts the kibosh on this whole technology, right? right? Because if our country were to, were to put the kibosh on this incredible technology, um, and it wouldn't be in the hands of our brilliant developers and coders and uh, all the industry that is going to be better because of this, 
Uh, if we put a hold on everything because of some sort of um, because of some concern uh, that might be overblown, might be underblown, whatever. But if we put the hold on it, but other a lot of other countries do not put the hold on that technology, um, that would put our uh, our country at a disadvantage compared mm -hmm. to other countries uh, in a number of ways. And I think that they realize that, and I think that's something there that they um, that they understand, right? The point of the regulation is not to stop the development of Gen AI. It's just to do it reasonably and appropriately. And I, I think everyone's in favor of that. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't take no, that many I people. I am. I think you are as well. Right. I, I certainly that's am. That's really yes. all that matters for this podcast, right? <laughs> this is just us talking stuff. <laughs> just our, yeah, it's our little island. Great. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious. Can you speak personally to kind of like your like idealistic kind of like blue sky, what you see coming and like maybe like something that keeps you up at night? You're like, oh shit, like this, this better not happen. Um, you're saying in terms of regulation? Uh, not just the regulation, but just like the AI, the idea of like AI in general. You know, obviously the idea that like robots will take over, I, I don't think that holds water, right? I don't I don't ascribe to the whole Terminator thing, right? The, you know, right. robots, we're, we're linked, you know, with smartphones, you know, Alexa, the whole thing, you know, they're here. They're part of us. We're functionally cyborgs. Um, I, I'm, I'm more curious and kind of like what, I talked to the some cybersecurity team, uh, the RTB guys, uh, last week, and you know Jason's nightmare scenario was you know banking, just just the idea of like you know advanced malware that can right. take down banking or infrastructure, right? Like it's these archaic systems built on old software and hardware that are vulnerable, right? So I'm just curious from your perspective, from the legal side, or even just from your personal perspective, because I, I like asking all the guests this. Yeah. What's kind of like what? What's the nightmare scenario for you, and what do you hope and see as kind of like the the ideal thing of like where I think and yeah. hope it's going to go? Yeah. So so this this is, it's not something that's you know overtly scary or or you know the world blowing up or something like that. Although mm -hmm. I'm concerned about those things, like everyone is just in general. Um, but for me, the reason I I went to law school and the reason I enjoy uh, enjoy that practice of law and enjoy what I'm doing now and enjoy that what we're doing right now, you and me. Is that I've always loved um, the dialogue with other people. I've always loved the interpersonal relationships with people. I've always loved the fact that um, you know, if you figure out um, you know what what makes Arturo click or me click, you could have a great conversation, and, and I could make your life better. You could make my life better. I could help. Uh, I went to law school to help companies and to help people and to help people out of problems. That the whole human aspect of things is is what I think makes us all human beings and makes everything work. My concern is that um, Gen AI will take some of it, will try to take some of the human aspect out of it, right? The, mm -hmm. the more there's automation, the more that people, that everyone is using Gen AI, um, everyone will start to sound the same, right? If, if people are using Gen AI to get, uh, to, to write all of their, you know, holiday cards one year or to write whatever, um, it will be, uh, it will be sad for me to see the human aspect of things taken out. Um, and for me, um, we need to keep looking at ways to have uh, our human personality shining through. And we need to continue to look, um, especially with, with legal, because you know, we're in a law firm, we need to continue to look how we can make sure that, uh, that, that interpersonal connection between attorney and client, uh, counselor and so on is as stronger than ever. Um, because I think that the more Gen AI comes into the picture, um, and the more uh, technology comes to the picture in general, and I'm, I'm the biggest pro-tech guy there is, but the more tech comes to the picture, 
the more important it is that we keep that interpersonal relationship going with our clients um, and the connections and and um, the stories and the the face-to-face -face smiles and so on. And that's my my doomsday is we get more to the scenario where everyone's just sitting with a headset and typing into a computer um, and it goes to someone else's computer and you lose what we're doing right now. So um, I don't think we're there. And I, I think that Gen AI can even help with that. Um, there are some uh, studies that I've seen that we even have more empathy um, with Gen AI. Gen AI has more empathy than some, you know, than some professional people in the professions when they mm -hmm. compare the Gen AI output and the human output. Um, I think in the medical field was, was one of the studies I saw that. Um, so uh, maybe that's even more scary, but, but I think that uh, the, the concern that I have is um, just big picture that we retain the human aspects of ourselves and our interactions um, and that Gen AI doesn't uh, make it harder for that to happen. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Like, I think the, the risk of becoming this like dystopian kind of like Harlan Ellison experience is, is kind of terrifying. Do you ever read E.M. Forster, The Machine Stops? I have not. Like it's like it's uh like yeah it's like a novella. Anyway, it's it's functionally it's basically that. Like it, it talks about just people that are all kind of like in these like little cubicles and communicating. It predicted, frankly, it predicted social media probably fifty years before it was a thing. <laughs> Excuse me. So yeah, I, I I agree. I would say that that the idea of losing what makes us human and what's gotten us this far is it, it's sad. It would be sad. Now it almost feels like that you're kind of pushing into like a parenting and societal question though more so than like a generative ai one which is kind of neat obviously you're a parent i'm a parent so that makes sense right we have like that coloring to us um in terms of kind of like because i know we're kind of getting to the end of time because most of our viewers i was a readers um most of them self-identify as kind of like management c-suite people you know they're our age or older when as a business owner they're approaching the perspective of engaging generative ai or a legal team that uses generative ai do you have any advice or like any any perspective you can share to the average kind of like business owner that's like considering flirting with this and trying to balance the risk versus the uh the reward yeah one thing i would say with regard to you know, any business owner out there um they need to realize that gen ai is here uh whether you know in in 2023 uh Gen AI, for the most part, meant you know subscribing to some solution that was a standalone Gen AI solution, and you know you have to deal with that. Gen AI in twenty twenty four is going to be baked into everything. Um, it is going to be critical that companies have a Gen AI policy for their employees. Uh, employees need to know what they can do, what they can't do, what they can put into Gen AI, what they can't put into Gen AI, um, what it means to be uh, a worker um, in twenty twenty four, and what it means to be an employer in twenty twenty four. Um, it's going to have Gen AI all over it. Mm. Um, so if you do not yet have a Gen AI policy, it's something that I, I strongly recommend uh, working with counsel, reaching out to us, whatever, to have that squared away so you know that you are uh, doing everything you can to make sure that your employees are responsibly using this technology and not uh, not running into some of the, the, the many pitfalls that there are uh, in the Gen AI world. You mean not citing cases that never happened in front of a judge? If you're if you're uh, in the legal profession, that's definitely an important one to uh, to follow. That's a hot take. All right, perfect, Evan. Dude, thank you so much, man. It's been such a privilege to speak with you again this week. Um, yeah. And uh, looking forward to seeing you at the conference in what two weeks now? We out there? sounds great. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure, man. Take care of yourself. Remember, 
you can always apply to be on the podcast, recommend a guest, or ask a previous guest a follow-up question using the Typeform link in our description. On behalf of the AI Tool Report team, thanks for listening, and see you next Tuesday.